I heard someone say one time, and I'm gonna I'm gonna really ask, uh, I'm gonna cut a deal with you today because I really do feel like preaching. Um, if you will give me your uh, undivided attention, as much of your attention as you can spare, I would appreciate that. Because I believe that the things that we're saying right now, I believe that they're not only uh, they're not only good, um, hopeful, helpful, uh, but I believe they're very strategic. When you're in a new place, uh, it's important that you, as quickly as possible, begin to know how to navigate your surroundings. How many of you have ever had that awkward feeling when you drove down a street that you've never been on or you were going into a place that you've never been before? Joshua gathered the people together and he instructed them in what to do and the reasoning behind that was simply this. You have not passed this way before. Uh, This is a a new place. This is a... The territory is new. The strategy is new. The diet is new. Uh, some of the relationships are new. So it's always good to make sure that you get your bearings, that you get your orders from headquarters. Amen? Your orders from headquarters. So um, having said that, I want to get straight into this word. If you'll turn with me to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, we're going to read again the scriptures that we used last week and... Then, while you're turning, um, if you want to also find uh, Psalm 119. Psalm 119. And uh, I'm not going to hide out from y'all. I'm just going to grab a couple of these boards uh, if I can. Let's see what we can do with this. Psalm 119. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. And we're going to read the whole thing. No, I'm not. <laughs> But I want you to turn to Psalm 119, and we're going to look at verse 161 through 165. I want to encourage you to make sure that you take good notes, that you keep some notes, that you write things down, that you uh, spend your time wisely throughout the week to go back and consider what you've written and write the scriptures down. And I'm all for technology and thank God for it, and I think we ought to utilize every bit that we can, but there's something precious about an old school approach to the scriptures. I just think there's, I think there's something to be found in the journey of discovery, and if you can hear something, it enters your ear gate. If you can go find something, it enters your curiosity gate. If you can see something, it enters your eye gate. And the more gates that something can get through, the more apt you are to retain it. Yeah? Amen? So so it's important to have all of our senses exercised, Paul said, to righteousness. Y'all with me? Okay. So, you know, take your time through the week. Look look these things up. You, you'll be looking for one scripture and you'll find another one and it'll take you on a journey that you didn't even expect to go. And that's the goodness of God. I promise it is. That's the goodness of the Lord. <clears throat> but l- look these things over through the week because when you spend your time in the Word of God, you are making a very wise investment. You can invest your time, spend your time any way you want, but that's a wise investment. 
Let the church say amen. 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 All right, I want to read these scriptures out of Matthew. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 21. You have heard, this is Jesus speaking, what we refer to as the Sermon on the Mount. Okay? He didn't really set it up as a sermon. There was no homiletical outline, no hermeneutical approach. He was just talking. But the writers gathered these thoughts and put them into some kind of congruent fashion. And we refer to this as the Sermon on the Mount. If you read all of what Jesus is saying, what he's doing is he is actually presenting what I call some theological upgrades. How many of you work with computers and you know every now and then you have to upgrade your system? Right? You have to upgrade your system. If you try to do a certain thing, on an antiquated system, then your system is outdated and this new program won't work. Jesus didn't come to just add a few things to what already existed. The Bible says he came to fulfill and abolish the old and start something new. Everybody say it's a new system. Say, I need a new upgrade. I need a new upgrade. I need a new upgrade every day. That's why I have to make sure that I am in the constant posture of repentance, which is to change and alter my way of thinking. Yeah? Y'all good? All right. So this is what Jesus is saying. This is what Jesus is presenting. He says, you have heard that it was said of them of old time, thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. Verse 22. But, it's always important to recognize a but. Don't take that the wrong way. Let me kind of reel that one back in. My bad. Um, Jesus, said, Jesus said this, You have heard it said, this is your schematic. But, I say, now how many of you know that when Jesus says this, what he's doing is he is letting you know that it was alright to believe this certain set of principles until now. It was okay to believe that way then. But it's no longer appropriate for you to believe that when I'm about to tell you this. Yeah? But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment, or the word there is the counsel of justice. He's saying, but I say unto you, whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, rock on. I told you last week, that sounds like a cuss word. And I've said worse than Raka. And so have you. Don't be acting like it's just me. Okay. Whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka. The literal translation of the word Raka, it, it, it literally means to spit on somebody. That's what it means. It means, all right. No greater sign of showing somebody how worthless they are. Yeah. 
You ever see those old movies or something when somebody just gets the absolute tar beat out of them? I mean, they get their clock cleaned. And they're laying there. And, the, and it's like whatever beat down they got, it wasn't enough. Because then the person has to go. Like, I am so done with you, I am double done. Okay. Whosoever shall say to his brother shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, you fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Now, I got to be honest with you. That scares me a little bit. Because I've called people worse things than fool. Okay? Now, it's important for you to know, this is not an escape clause, this is just the truth. It's important for you to know that when Jesus mentions hellfire, he's not talking about some theoretical place that you go after you die. He literally says, if you shall call someone you fool, you may be in danger of Gehenna. Gehenna was the place where they actually would sacrifice their babies to the god called Moloch. Okay? Are you with me? And they stopped that practice, but history would say that the fires continued to smolder, and, and they kept that place right outside of the city. They kept that place. You would go through the gates of Gehenna, and, and it was still smoking and still smoldering, and it became a garbage dump. Okay? What Jesus is saying is this. You have the ability... Simply by calling somebody something, saying something to somebody, you have the ability to turn your garden into a garbage dump. Are you hearing me? Hmm. Simple things. Simple things. Simple things. Little things. It's not always the big stuff that catches you. It's the, it's the little things. And Jesus said these little things actually have more of an impact on your life than you think they do because these little things, these little comments, these little sayings, uh, it seems benign on the surface, but once you take that thing and you filter it through your previous hurt and then you begin to nurse it, you begin to rehearse it, before you know it, your whole life will begin to look like, smell like a place of literal hell. I'm telling you right now, beloved, I know this to be true because I've lived it and I've seen some of you live it. You can have your feet planted on the earth and still be living in a hellish situation. Yeah? Now, Let's go to verse 23 real quick because I want to kind of move this along. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar and then you remember that your brother hath ought against thee, this is going to catch some people, leave the gift before the altar and go thy way first. Be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. What Jesus is saying is this. If you come to a place of worship, if you come to a place of sacrifice, but you've got something against someone or somebody has something against you, your sacrifice doesn't matter until you get that right with somebody. 
If you've hurt someone or someone's hurt you and you're trying to pray your way through it and praise your way through it and worship your way through it, how many of you know that there will be a ceiling on your praise and a ceiling on your worship because you are harboring and fostering that hurt and before you know it, that little simple thing that was said to you, that seed has now become a tree and now you're carrying around something and it is skewing the way you view life. Because of something that was said, and it could have been said inappropriately, but more often it was just said innocently. I want you to turn to Psalm, Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Let's see if we can get through this. Psalm 119. Psalm 119 and verse 161. Ready? Princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart standeth in awe of thy word. I rejoice that thy word is one that findeth great spoil. I hate and abhor lying, but thy law do I love. Seven times a day do I praise thee. Seven times a day do I praise thee. Seven times a day do I praise thee. I know that we're not supposed to live under rules and regulations, but it ain't a bad thing to have some principles in place. And you need to be praising more than you're pouting. You and I need to spend more time worshiping than we do worrying. Somebody say amen. Seven times a day, the psalmist said, do I praise thee because of thy righteous judgments. Verse 165, and this is what I want you to get. Great peace. Have they which love thy law. Great peace have they. Which love thy law. And nothing. Oh, y'all gonna make me preach uphill today, I can tell. Alright. Everybody say great peace. Have they which love thy law. Say and nothing. Nothing shall offend them. Great peace have they that love thy law and nothing shall offend them. Help me, Holy Ghost, preach this. In in reading this, I I, I took note. Uh, Notice that the psalmist didn't say great peace have they that love thy name. Are y'all awake this morning? Great peace have they that love thy name. He didn't say that. We know the name of Jesus. Uh, We know that he's been given a name above every name. Uh, We know that when there's uh, in in need of provision, we know that he's Jehovah Jireh. We know the name of the one that sees and provides. Uh, We know who to call on when we need healing. We know who to call on when we need deliverance. We know who to call on when we need protection. The Bible says, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We know who to call on when we need salvation. We sing the song, Jesus, oh how I love calling your name. We sing the song, say the name of Jesus. We know the name of Jesus. We love the name of Jesus. You can know his name and still get offended. 
Notice it didn't say, great peace have they that love thy word. Oh, I, I, I love the word of God. I just told you, anytime you spend reading, anytime you spend studying, anytime you spend contemplating the word of God, that's a wise investment of your time. Knowing the Bible, knowing the Word, having it engrafted into the very fabric of who you are. As important as it is, you can know the Word and still be offended. Come on, y'all, help me a little bit. You can know the Word of God and still get offended. Pastor, what are you saying? How do you know that's true? Come on. Christians are some of the most easily offended people I've ever met in my life. I've had transactions with people who were stone-cold, non-believing atheists. Whose yes meant yes. Whose no meant no. Who honored their word. Who did what they said and said what they did. I have friends who are non-believers. And I can count on them. They know how to get over stuff. Step through stuff. Work stuff out. Somebody help me preach this morning. I've got people who don't know the word of God. But they know how to get over a little something. Because they've learned that if they carry that with them. A little leaven will eventually. 11 the whole lump. They operate in these principles and yet we come into the house of God and we quote the word and we sing the songs and yet we get mad when somebody looks at us the wrong way. Oh, I'm going to preach this anyway. You might as well help me. We get mad when somebody looks at us wrong. We get mad when somebody says something wrong. We get mad if somebody sits in our chair or takes our parking place. or, or uh, We get mad if we say hey and they may not even hear us say hey. And, and they just you know, give us that look. And then you register that look. And I can't get you to remember two things I preach. But you can remember that look for years. Uh, you, you can remember what somebody writes on Facebook. Uh, you may have gotten a thousand likes and a thousand good comments. One person can say one negative thing and you will file that and you will register that and you will build your hurt around an offense. Somebody help me. I've had people leave this church. Leave this church. I've had people leave this church because I let black folks be involved. I've had people leave this church because I only prayed for the white folk. Yet they'll pick up their Bible and adjust their headgear, fix their suit, shoot their cuffs, go to the Word of God, find it in the place where it is written, Amen and Amen. And in mind in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. They will read where Paul said, In him there is no more Jew nor Greek, bond or free. 
rich or poor, male or female. They will read in the scripture where Paul writes in, 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 in the book of Acts. I believe it was Paul, but I'm not sure, but I know it was the book of Acts, where the writer says that we all come from one blood. They'll read that and then they'll get offended because of the color of someone's skin or they'll get offended because of the tone of someone's comment. I can't get any help, but I'm going to preach this through. And I'm not talking about sinners. I'm not talking about those that belong to cults. I'm not talking about those that hang out on Saturday nights and, you know, smoke and chew and run with girls that do and all that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking with Sunday morning, get my praise on Christians. Can I preach this because I'm going to anyway? Don't tell me that you don't know people that still love God, but they stopped going to church because church folk are too judgmental. Church folk get easily offended. Church folk can't get over stuff. When our whole concept of religious activity is based and built on the life of one who took every offense and nailed it with him to a tree. If Jesus can get over it, you can get over it. If Jesus can let it slide, you can let it slide. Somebody say, I hear you. You can know the word and get offended. You can know his name and get offended. You can have grown up in church and get offended. You can stay in church and get offended. You can leave one church and go to another church because they hurt your feelings and they offended you. I'm not going over there anymore. I'm going to go over here because they keep it real. Yeah? I got a feeling after they keep it really real for about six months, you're going to be hopping to another place. Because your problem ain't that they keep it real. Your problem is you don't like it to get real. Because as long as it's on the surface, everything's everything. But as soon as somebody starts meddling your affairs, as soon as they stop telling you that it's all about your praise, and now it's about your practice. Ah, I can't get no help. Ah, it's not only just about His grace, but now you got to work out your salvation. I know you don't get saved by works, but you're called unto good works. And how in the world are people going to know that you really love God? You've never seen him, especially when we see how you treat people you have seen. Don't tell me you've never looked at someone and they tried to quote scripture at you. And there's a part of you that says, you know what? You, you, you need to step off for a little bit because you're mean. You're na you got a nasty spirit on you. I said that about a preacher one time. I didn't know how to classify it. I just said, what do you think about so-and-so? He just got a nasty spirit on him. I didn't know what that meant. Come to find out, he was perverted and messing with children. I call that a nasty spirit. <laughs> Can I go a little deeper? Notice that the psalmist didn't say, Great peace of they that love thy praise. Oh, we, we know how to praise. We, we, we know how to worship. We know how to get our praise on. We know how to get our song on. We can praise, worship, sing. We can shout our wig loose. We can run around the church. We can scream. We can holler. I saw my grandmama do it. She she could shuck and buck and do all that. 
You think she's done? Everybody's like, no, wait a minute, she's just simmering. I think she's done now. No, no, no. She got one more left in her. Then she's like a car that stalls for the rest of the day. Trying to crank her up. shouting and the one that's been singing and the one that's been shock a and the one that's been huck a and all of that kind of stuff. Oh, Lord, it ain't just, it's just a bunch of rocker because they're the ones that go in the back and look at the food line and they're like, huh, oh, you gonna eat all that? What, what are you doing fixing to the go plate? Everybody ain't had food yet. Oh, Lord, I can't get no help. I said, I can't get no help. Ernie said, I don't know why. Like smacking somebody just in the face. Why won't you listen to me? <laughs> Stop smacking me and I'm like, we, we can get our praise. We can get our worship. We can get all of that. Oh, we're the first ones to throw our hands up. We're the loudest ones to sing. We're the loudest ones to shout. Uh, we can get our prayer on. He, the psalmist didn't say great peace that they that they have that know how to pray. You can pray. You can pray. Pastor, you need to teach us on prayer. Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. And it wasn't too long after he taught his own disciples how to pray that they're the ones that got offended by what somebody says and said, Lord, can we call fire down on them? I'm just checking. Am I at that level yet where I can go on and, you know, throw down the fire? It's not about your praise. It's not about your prayer. There is a law. Don't be scared by that word. There is a principle. When you take a class in school, they will call the, a certain class a, don't they, do they call it a discipline? It's a discipline. Oh, God in heaven, help me, because we do not like that word. We, we want grace. Because we think that grace is just a broad stroke brush that glosses over everything and it's all up under the blood and as much as I believe that and I do believe that, it's not about, you mean, you mean I got to get right with my friend to go to heaven? No. If you're right with God, you're going to go to heaven. This ain't about you going to heaven. This is no longer about you going to heaven. If you have accepted Him and called on the name of the Lord Jesus and made Him your Savior and declared with your mouth that He is Lord, you're going to heaven. But is there anybody interested in getting some of heaven down here? The way I treat people has nothing to do with am I going to heaven or not. But if I treat people like Raka... Heaven might have a hard time flowing through me. 
If you see me acting the fool, you're going to have a hard time listening to me when I give you instruction. It has nothing to do with my salvation vertically. It has to do with the proof of my salvation horizontally. Somebody say amen. amen. Oh, I got way too many notes. Way too many notes. There's a simple law somewhere that can keep us from offense. Great peace have they that love this law, that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Oh, I just feel like preaching this morning. Y'all woke up on the wrong Sunday. Uh, nothing shall offend them. Now, now, let me see if I can unpack this a little slowly. There, there are a lot of different words in the Bible uh, when you read the translations, you will see the word offense. There are a lot of different Hebrew words that are translated offense. There are a lot of different Greek words that are translated as, a, as, as offense. But the most common used word in the Hebrew that is translated offense is bagod. And write this down or make a note or do something. Act interested. Let me switch. Cheers. Y'all know I'm picking, right? <laughs> Three of you do. The rest of you just got offended. <laughs> just ruins the rest of my message. The Hebrew word that's used most often and translated into the word offense is the word bagod. Watch this. And it literally means, watch, it literally means the stick that baits. The trap. The stick that baits the trap. Pastor, why are you teaching on this? Because I've told you for the last few weeks uh, that our adversary, that Satan, his agenda is one thing and one thing only. What is it? Steal? Kill and what? Destroy. The enemy's agenda is destruction. His tactic is division. His greatest weapon. Are you ready? If you would, if you knew that you could disarm the enemy, would you be? Would you want to do that? From ever attacking you, ever attacking your family. Anybody interested? Anybody? Yeah, okay. All I need is about four or five interested. We'll, we'll shake the region. <laughs> Satan's greatest weapon is offense. It's offense. There's no way he could get you to maintain perversion. You can live in a perverted lifestyle and trust me when I tell you, you try to reconcile that with worshiping God, it's going to eat you alive. It's going to eat you alive. There's no way that the enemy could get you or talk you into maintaining any kind of cultish behaviors. Any kind of perverted activity. 
But Satan's greatest weapon is the weapon of offense. And the reason is because he knows that we ourselves will maintain and protect our right to be right. We will protect our right to be hurt. That's right. Go ahead. Oh. Are you with me? Because I want I want to I want to tell you something, and this is powerful. How I handle my offense. How I handle my offense. Somebody write this down. This is a tweetable moment. How I handle my, my offense will either be the catalyst of my success or the cause of my failure. I just gave you a hunk of bear meat. How you handle your offense at that moment will determine your trajectory. You can't stop offenses from happening. You can't stop people from saying what they're going to say, thinking what they're going to think. There must be offenses. Jesus said there will be offenses. The Apostle Paul said there must be heresies among you. There must be divisions. There must be offenses. You're not going to be able to carve out for you a world that is organically pure and clean. No, no, no. You're going to have some tears with your wheat. You're going to have some junk up in your stuff. You're going to have some folk in your life. And not everybody's going to get with the plan or get with the program and there's nothing you can do about that happening but how long you let that linger is on you. That's why Jesus said in Matthew if something like that happens go to your brother quickly. How many of you have ever heard me use the illustration when they teach someone how to scuba dive and, and they go to different depths and levels? One of the things that the instructors will tell them to do is this. When you're about ready to go to another depth, they use this term. Clear, early, and often. Say it with me. Say clear, early, and often. If you don't blow it out, at 10 feet, you will implode at 30. Is anybody listening to me? I mean, I know I am. That's good enough. I just... Clear, early, and often. See, what happens is because we don't clear early and often, we just hold stuff because it's not that big a deal. It's just not that big a deal. This that I used... Last week, oh, I got the dropsies. Have you noticed when you get older, you start losing dexterity and things like my grand, grandma used to call it the dropsies. I can't hold on to nothing. Can you catch? Because I can't throw. All right, Danny. Help me out, bro. Here's, here's, here's a little offense. You see this? this? This is a little offense. And I throw it out there. Close enough. I throw it out there. Dude, I ain't seen you in a long time. What'd you get that shirt? <laughs> just, just, a, just a little offense. 
Just a little saying. Yeah. Saw so and so the other day. <laughs> Ooh, you don't want to know what they said about you. <laughs> Keep right on walking. <laughs> little offense. Little offense. Little offense. Just a little comment. You gonna eat that? <laughs> Come on, somebody help me. Just a little offense. Just a little offense. You ever had somebody look at you when you got ready in the morning and came out and somebody go, hmm, you wearing that? Oh, Lord Jesus, this ain't bulletproof. Y'all gonna have to help me. Because I'm gonna have to... Just, 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 little, just little things. Did you forget to put your makeup on? I'm not talking to you, babe. Maxie makes senior homecoming for it again this year. Yay, good, Maxie. So proud of you, girl. Hmm. Did you forget your makeup? Dad, I put makeup on. Oh, oh. How many of you know that that little benign statement, the damage is done? Oh, and I love the people. Oh, help me, God. I love the ones that say, hey, um, you, you, I don't know if I should be telling you this, but I heard somebody tell me, you know what, it's best I don't. <laughs> oh, hey! <laughs> uh-uh, you got to tell me now. I don't want to start nothing. Too late! You already started it. Are y'all with me? No, it's too late. Damage is done now. And the next time I see Danny, because he still has all of that stuff that he's been trying to suppress and, and all of this, and now it's, when they have those, it's turned into this. Yeah. Yeah, so now when I see him, I can ask questions legitimately, like, why you got that? Put it right there, brother. Put it right there. There you go, yeah. Why you got that chip on your shoulder? Why are you always down in the dumps? Why are you always sad? Why are you always hurt? Could it be that the chip in the shoulder is a bunch of these little things that never got dealt with? Y'all don't want to help me preach, but I'm going to preach anyway. And, and, and before you know it, enough chips, enough chips on the shoulder. Sorry, brother. Nathan, you're going to have to help them balance that. You're going to have to be like a good friend. Because, because friend, and, and I'm talking about a real friend, from a, a good friend. Because offense is like a drug. Offense is like an, it, it, it's an addiction. And watch this. Offense. Offense isn't the trap. Offense is the bait. Uh, offense is the bait. It's going to get heavy, bro. Offense is the, offense isn't the trap. Uh, <clears throat> offense is the bait. If I nibble at the bait, if I, how do you nibble at the bait of offense? If I spend time thinking about it. Wonder what they meant by that. Can I tell you something that ought to set you free? 
It don't matter what other people think about you as long as you know what God thinks about you. And if you're good with God, you ought to be okay in your own skin. Somebody give them about just five seconds of a praise right now. It don't matter what they think. If I'm okay with Him, I'm okay. If God be for me, who can be against me? What they think about me means nothing. It's what I think about me that counts. Because it's not as they think so I am. It's as a man thinketh within his own heart. So is he. Can I take about 10, 15 more minutes? But I, 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 I'm almost got a landing place right now. How do I take the bait? By the decisions I make. There are people that will totally change the trajectory and direction of their lives based on what somebody said about them. I know people, I know young men that I grew up with that grew into being obsessed with bodybuilding and muscles and strength and competition. They have changed their whole life because somebody said to them when they were younger, you sure are scrawny. I know young, y'all not listening to me. I, I guess y'all check out at 12. I thought that we were better than that. Come on now. I know young ladies because they were rejected by their father when they were six and seven. You see them at 15, 16, 17 looking for love in all the wrong places, just trying to find some kind of acceptance. They will literally degrade their body and degrade their choices just so that they can feel accepted because of something that was said and something that was done and they didn't have enough sense to know at that age that it was just somebody that didn't count saying something that didn't count. But they took this and turned it into this. And enough of these becomes this. And now I'm living behind a fence because I never learned how to deal with Offense. Come on, are you hearing me? Offense doesn't hurt me. It's the bait that tries to get me to nibble at it. What they say about me doesn't hurt me. Some of y'all are going to get this. It's going to bless you. You ready? The book of Proverbs says that we are ensnared, trapped, snared, caught. God, I feel like preaching. We are ensnared by the words of our mouth. It's not what they say say Amen. about me. Amen. 
It's what that does that causes me to put my mouth inappropriately on somebody or something. That's the snare. Is anybody listening to me this morning? Oh, I'm going to land this plane in a second, but just, just hang on. Offense didn't hurt me. Offense caused the situation that hurt me. I hurt myself when I fell down. That's what hurt. I fell down. What is offense? Offense is the thing that tripped me. Jesus. That's better than y'all even imagine. Offense is the thing that tripped me. Just that little thing, that little sliver, that little word, that, that little inconsequential thought, that little simple look, whatever it was, it was the stick. It was the bait. And if I hadn't have stumbled... I wouldn't have fallen. My God in heaven, this is good. I said, if I hadn't have stumbled over that, I wouldn't have fallen. Make it plain, Pastor. I will. If I hadn't gotten angry then, I wouldn't be bitter now. It was the situation that caused me to get angry. And I took that and I fostered that and I nursed that and I rehearsed that and I let everybody around me know that it's my right to be hurt. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what they did to me. I know I don't know what they did to you, but I guarantee you that your life, if you're surrounded by these, these are made up of a bunch of these that never got dealt with. It was the little foxes that ended up spoiling your vine. It was the little folly like dead flies in the ointment, Ecclesiastes says. It's just the little thing. And you can go through all the psychology classes you want to go through. And I recommend therapy and I recommend counseling. But what if there was a law? What if there was a discipline? What if there was something that I could appropriate that would lift my feet above all offense? Come on, church. Are y'all helping me? I'm going to land this plane right here, right now. What if there was a way? What if there was a way? What if there was a way? What if there was a principle? What if there was a discipline that I could exercise? And it's not because I'm naive and it's not because I'm stupid and it's not because I don't know what they're saying and it's not harboring and it's not, uh, it's not you know, burying and suppressing and all that stuff. Don't you love it when you meet people and they tell you a year later, I ain't, I ain't letting that bother me. I ain't letting them bother me. Shh. Rocker. Don't matter what they say, that don't bother me. Really? It's been a year. Rock up to the yes, it's bothering you. You're the only one that brings it up. Amen. 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 Amen.
had somebody say something to you when you give them a piece of counsel or you make a suggestion and they say this? Why you always got to be that critical towards me? You always critical. That's what you like to do, Annie. You like to run me down, don't you? You big boy. I, I gotta, I'm not stronger than you, but I hope I'm faster. So I'm not going to say nothing. We good, right? All right, let's try. Uh, there you go again, always saying something. They don't even know what you're talking about. I said, they don't even know what you're talking about. They don't even know what you're talking about. They don't even know what you're talking about. But you have done this along the way. I know my girls can catch. I told them how. <laughs> You've done that along the way. Remember that. Because that's, that's what I'm going to use next. And before you know it. Here. Hold that. 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 Hold that, hold that. Y'all don't think, hold this. Y'all help her. Help her, hold that. Hold that, hang here, just hold it right there. There you go, there you go, there you go. That's the way most of us live our lives. Are y'all listening? That's the way most of us live our lives. No wonder that Jesus says in the book of Revelation, and he's not talking to the world, He's not, talking, he's not talking to a, a, a radical race group. He, he's not talking to the Klan. He's not talking to the Black Panthers. He's not talking to the Republicans. He's not talking to the Democrats. He's not talking to the Socialists. He's not talking to the Conservatives. He's not talking to the White Power. He's not talking to the Black Power. He's talking to the church. And he says, Behold, I'm standing at your door. You have built a place of defense, and in doing so, you kept me out. That ain't about him begging you to get saved. That was said about a church. with me. We have taken all of these little things and these little hits and these little offenses and then we try to win people to Jesus. We try to win people to Jesus. We try to win people to Jesus and we're yoked with this bondage of offense because all of these little things that didn't matter suddenly became a big thing that now mattered and now we're weighed down by our own feelings and our own oppressions and then we go out into the world and say, don't y'all want to come and follow me? Don't y'all want to come to my church? Look how free I am. You think I want to go to church with you? It looks like what you've got killing you. What if there was a law? What if there was a law? What if there was a discipline? What if there was a principle? Well, it can't be the law of Moses because Jesus came to abolish the law of Moses. Amen. Paul says in the book of Romans that Christ is the end of the law to them that believe. Amen. It can't be the Ten Commandments. As much as I love the Word of God, it can't be that law because that's a law of do's and don'ts. And Paul says that the strength of sin is found in that law. 
If you want to get somebody to touch a wall and you have to make money by people touching a wall, here's what you do. Put a sign on the wall and that says wet paint, don't touch. You better not, you better not, you ought not, I better not catch you. If you do, how many of you know that that triggers something on the inside that goes all the way back to Adam in the garden? Who the heck you think I can touch what I want to touch? <laughs> tell me what to do. My daddy don't tell me what to touch. I touch a wall if I want to touch it. There, see, it ain't even wet. I know, got you to touch. Our problem isn't that we don't love God. Our problem isn't that we don't love the name of God. Our problem isn't that we don't love to worship God. Our problem isn't that we don't have a hunger for the Word of God. Some more than others. But that's, 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 that's not our issue. That's not our problem. My problem isn't that I can't get along with God. He's made it easy for me to get along with Him. The problem is that I can't get along with you. And unfortunately, that's the only way the world's going to know that I get along with God. It's by how I get along with you. I'm about to wind this down. Is this, this alright for somebody? Because see, if the devil could stop you from your vertical ascent in worship and praise, he would stop you. But if he can't stop you getting along with God, he can sure keep you from getting along with one another. He can put something between you and keep you divided. He can put something between you and keep you divided. And you can be right on your side of the wall and they can be right on their side of the wall and you're both wrong because you're both protecting the wall. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. What's the law? 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 I got to stop. The disciples asked Jesus one day. Okay, I'm getting for real. Ushers, get ready because y'all have been so patient. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on, hang on, hang on. What's the law? What's the law? What's the law? There's, got, there, there, there's a law that if I can function in, nothing, nothing will offend me. Well, I'm a Christian, but I tell you what, I just can't get along with it. Stop. 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 If you're easily offended, you're not going to be much use for the kingdom. I'm sorry to tell you that, but if, if your skin is that thin, that somebody looking at you the wrong way can derail you for months. Don't be surprised if God doesn't entrust you with power. Are y'all hearing me? What's the law? The disciples asked Jesus, Teacher, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, Love the Lord God with all your heart all your soul your mind, all your strength, and the second part is just 
like it. What do you mean it's just like it? That's the law that you participate in vertically. Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second part of that law is just as valuable, just as important. Everybody say, same as. Same as. Say, same as. Same as. This is the same as that. This is that. This is the same as that. Are you ready? Here it is. Love your neighbor as yourself. What's this law you're talking about? Jesus said, a new law I give to you. That you love one another. Can I read this? Jesus said, a new commandment, a new law. A new discipline, a new principle I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples. If you love one another. We've been so addicted to offense. And you say, well, Pastor, I don't think I'm addicted to offense. Really? We'll, 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 uh, we'll, we'll do a little experiment because when people come up to you and say, hey, did you hear what Pastor said? Hey, did you hear what Pastor did? There's a four-letter word that starts with W that we should say, but there's another four-letter word that starts with W that 99.9% .9 of people say. Hey, did you hear what he did? What? But the word we're supposed to say. Did you hear what he did? Wait. Wait. Let's go get them. And we'll see how hell fired up you are about bringing an accusation against somebody. Well, they hurt me. It's been six months. You really telling me that that is the depth of your maturity, that you can't love a Christian? What in the world are you going to do when you actually have to go out beyond these walls and make a difference? We can't get along with tongue talkers. We can't get along with faith people. We can't get along with people who are singing our songs, lifting holy hands. We can't get along with folks that are trying to be the best that God wants them to be. How in the world if our skin is that thin are we able going to truly be overcomers in the world salt in the world light in the world can I give you this oh Jesus here I got 30 seconds left and my clock's about to go off everybody say love L-O-V-E -E. I'll teach on this next week love L locate the offense somewhere I took the bait somewhere I took the bait Every relationship that you've got right, right now, it's not right because you avoided conflict. It's because you worked through conflict. If I avoid conflict with you and that's the only way that you and I can have a relationship, then I have to make sure that I stay as far away from you as I can and everything is on the surface and superficial. How you doing? Pretty good. What's up? Deuces. But if we're going to have a relationship... I have to learn to work some stuff out. Number one, love. L, locate the offense. Openly admit it. That's the O. V, verify the source. I said verify the source. Is that my mic going dead? That's God telling me. 
Start preaching. E, emancipate yourself. I'll give you these next week, but sometimes you've got to be willing to do this. Sometimes you've got to be willing to do this. Do you have those little pieces? Throw me one at a time. Will y'all please watch me and then I'm done? Throw me one at a time. Try it one more time, just underhanded. <laughs> there you go, ready? Let's try it again. Let's try it again. Let's try it again. Let's try it again. Ready, go. Let's try it again. Let's try it again. Try it again, Macy. Okay, you do it. You do it right here. Ready? Ready? Throw. Okay. Do it again. You didn't catch one of those offenses. You know why? Because I wasn't looking at these. That's right. I was looking at them. This wasn't important. Said, this wasn't important. This wasn't important. What's important? What's important is what happens between me and you face to face. What about this? Let it go. What about this? Let it go. I ain't got time for this to turn into this and then me spend the rest of my life carrying this and all of this and I'm just this. Have you ever gotten to the place where you just want to go, you know what? Forget it. I'm done with it. I'm not done with you. I'm done with that. I'm so done with that stuff that not only am I going to take this and drop it, but I'm going to do something with this when I drop it that it doesn't trip up somebody else. Jesus said, any man that says to this mountain, be thou removed, that ought to be enough. No, be thou removed and be cast into the sea. Take your mountain and don't just move it out of your way. Move it out of everybody's way. Just move it out of everybody's way. Somebody give God some praise. Somebody stand up and give God some praise. I'm going to choose to love you so much that I'm not going to try to carry this around. I'm not going to try to make my life make sense with bits and pieces of insult and hurt and information. I wish I had a witness in this house. There are too many people that have let this turn into this. And now you can't even have fellowship with them. And here we are. Here we are saying, yeah, but we're Christians. Really? Then shut your mouth and prove it. Love somebody when you have the chance to get even. Turn the other cheek when you've got a chance to punch back. Let it slide. Let it go. Choose to look at them through the eyes of forgiveness. If Christ can forgive me, I can forgive you. If Christ can forgive me, I can forgive you. Pastor, why are you so intense? Because I'm telling you right now, you're sitting on a road with somebody right now that you're having a hard time forgiving. We're not talking about you, you on the job. 
We're not talking about you in the world. We're not talking about you in the workplace. We're not talking about you in the harvest field. We're talking about you being in the same building. And we're harboring things. We're harboring things. And Father God is the pastor of this house. I openly repent. If there's anybody in this house that would say that with me, can you lift your hand? Lord, I repent. I repent. I change my mind. I'm tired of carrying the burden of the hurt, the burden of the pain. What they said about me is not right. I know. I know. I know, but can you just do yourself a favor? And let it go. Can you do yourself a favor? Can you do your husband a favor? Can you do your wife a favor? Can you do your children a favor? And just drop it. God, we're not going to change this region until you can allow us to demonstrate horizontally what we've been preaching and praying about vertically. Lord, let it happen. Whatever you got to do, let it happen. Let it happen. Let it happen. Let it happen. People in the world aren't hungry for a new song. They're not hungry for a new sound. They're not hungry for a hidden scripture. Lord, they're desperate for acceptance and love. Father, may this be the place. Not the only place. But let this be the place. Where people can receive this new commandment and nothing shall offend us. I know that's a tall order. I know it's a tall order.
got to know something, church. It's way easier to preach something with the intent on making you happy. But it takes courage to preach something that's going to ultimately make you healthy. talking about slaying your convictions on the altar. I'm not talking about being weak. I'm not talking about I'm not talking about any of that stuff. One of the reasons we hate messages on love and forgiveness so much is because we're tired of always feeling like somebody got something over on us. It's like this residential spirit of vigilante rises up and we have this need to right wrongs and point out people's faults and failures. I had a preacher one time that y'all would know who he was. I ministered here once, just once. He sent me something not too long ago and said, you know, I really feel like I need to come back to your, to your church. There's some things that I, I feel like God wants me to share with you and Maybe help you bring some order. I said, great. I said, what church did you build? Uh, well, um, well, I, I don't. I said, what church did you start? Well, I, no, see, that's, that's not what I'm talking about. I mean, I just wanted to, you know, it's just feel like something I can, you know, help you with your, help you with your church, help you. Feel like I can feel like I can help some of your people with their marriages. Really? Really? How many times have you been divorced? Uh three? Is that right? Dude, you ain't built a birdhouse. Stop telling me how to build my church. You don't you listen, you don't have to clap. I know that sounds like, ooh, that's got ooh. No, I didn't mean it like that. It's just why do we always have to feel like our worth is measured on how we can point out people's wrong? Golly day, what would happen if you looked at someone and had the eyes and the vision and the compassion to look beyond the faults and see the needs of people? And I told the ladies that met yesterday getting things together for, for the community outreaches and stuff. And I said something very simple but powerful. There's not a wrong way to do a good thing. There's not. I mean, you can get better at it, more proficient at it, but is there really, really a wrong way to help someone? 
I guess you can tell I'm stirred in my heart. And I am. I am. It's not anger. It's intense, but it's not anger. I'll love you more than I've ever loved you. I want what God has for us more than I've ever wanted it in my life. But I challenge you this week, make it right with somebody you need to make it right with. Even if it seems simple and benign, just make it right. Show them that you've got something going on this way. Amen. Father, let it be in Jesus' name. If you receive something today, can you give God a clap off your hand? Please do.